China has embarked on an ever-evolving journey of deepening reform and opening up over the past decade, reaching new heights. Some of its most recent phase includes broad aspects of cooperation, deeper levels of integration, and scaling up of projects both domestically and internationally. On this week's Biz Talk, I had the privilege of engaging in a conversation with two guests who have closely witnessed China's ongoing journey of deepening reform and opening up during the past decade. They share their insights into China's dedicated efforts and strong commitments. My first guest is Zafar Uddin Mahmud, the former special assistant to the Prime Minister of Pakistan and a former special envoy for the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor. Take a listen. Zafar, thank you for joining us on CGTN. First of all, I would like you. I would like to share with us some of the insights of the changing business environment in China. Since probably ten years ago, China started deepening its reforms. So it's been te- ten years. What's your major observation of these? That this last ten years saw the、uh, speediest changes in China's deepening of economic reforms. That is one. And the second is there is a movement for quantity to quality products. So the focus was on the scientific development and innovation, technological improvement in the Chinese products, and more towards value addition. And the second, which I noticed, was the、uh, opening up, further expanded to the areas which were restricted earlier. Those were allowed for the foreign investment as well. And there were more opportunities for the local companies to go global. So these are the few changes which I witnessed during the last decade. Right, China has this ambition of transforming its economy from low-end manufacturing to high-end manufacturing, from labor-intensive industries to technology-driven, innovation-driven economy.、Uh, what kind of changes have you noticed? Any progress you've noticed? Definitely, there is a very remarkable progress during the past few years in this、uh, area, and we could say that the increase in Chinese export is going towards more technologically improved products, which are higher in value as compared to those、uh, labor-intensive products. So this is a remarkable change, and the number speaks by itself. That is one thing, and the second, I think, with the Uh, with the changes in the demography of China, the population demography, you see now the old age population is growing. The younger people available for labor are becoming less as compared to the past. So there is a compulsion to go to the more kind of value-added products, wherein you can get more value for the same product rather than depending on the quantity. So this is one thing which is very visible. And then, you know, during the past decades, we could say we saw the high-speed railway network expansion. Now, China enjoys the、uh, largest network in the world, putting together all other countries, maybe even more than that. And this is China's indigenous technology. We saw the、um, uh, successful manufacturing of the aircraft, and I'm sure the massive product. Then, in the very recent past, we saw the Huawei. They were able to make their own. Uh, 5G technology, microchip phone. So this is a major breakthrough. So I could say very easily that this past decade has seen、uh, the decade of innovation, technological development, value addition. Zafar,、right. after successfully lifting、uh, hundreds of millions of people out of poverty, China is now eyeing another major 
target that is to raise, that is to lift hundreds of billions of people from low-income group to middle-income group and uh, build probably the world's uh, biggest middle-income consumer group. So uh, what's your take on this quite big ambition? Well, um, uh, I was just uh, talking to you that I came uh, to China um, in 1976, first time. So the China, what I saw at that time, and when I look at China today, it's unbelievable. I had never thought that China, with such a huge population, will be able to transform the lives of so many people within such a short period of time. And the most interesting thing is that this is not on, uh, focused on big cities. It is across the board. I have uh, traveled uh, in China very extensively, starting from Xinjiang, to Shizang and to the countryside and all that, there has been significant and visible change in the lives of the common people. So this is remarkable and it's not only remarkable but for it's unbelievable for anybody in the world. Bringing 800 million people out of poverty within such a short period of time and most importantly with its own resources. China did not ask for anybody's help but it depended on itself. So this is something really, really very significant. So this gives me confidence that China has the ability, capacity and determination to ch bring these peoples to the middle income level. And I'm sure we are looking forward to the biggest middle class in the world in China uh, within the next decade or so. Right. And next question is about uh, foreign investment into China, uh, despite some ideology differences that some Western media are always uh, focusing on. Foreign direct investment continue to come to China and uh, actually breaking new records. Uh, what's your take on this? Well, I have uh, the reasons to believe that the foreign investors, why they're coming to China is not simply because that's a big consumer market. But I think it's a very talented technical labor force, technical, talented and disciplined labor force, which they cannot find easily in the world anywhere. So uh, they have the reasons to come to China for their own benefit. That is one thing. And the second is obviously the China is now the biggest consumer market in the world and it is going to be even bigger in the next decade or so. So they have every reason to come and uh, invest in this country. So I am sure that despite all the, all the frictions or whatever you call it, the companies, the enterprises, which make their own decisions, will make the right decision and continue their investment in China as this is in their own interest. Zafa, you've worked both in China and Pakistan for many years. In which areas are the two countries working together on? And in what more areas are you suggesting the two countries can complement each other and benefit each other's economy? Well, uh, China and Pakistan, they are enjoying best of relations. We have uh, comprehensive uh, cooperation agreements in every field. And uh, uh, especially from the Belt and Road Initiative, Pakistan has benefited a lot. And I still see there is a lot of potential and scope to attract Chinese investment into Pakistan. The investment, which is labor-intensive, because as we have seen, that China is phasing out from the labor-intensive industries to the quality and value-added industries. So Pakistan, with a population of about 250 million people, we have abundant labor resources, which is also cheap. So 
we look to the opportunity of getting investment from China, particularly those um, labor incentive, uh, intensive uh, industries, and we expect that Chinese company will be uh, transferring their enterprises to Pakistan. We have already uh, seen some companies which they have moved to Pakistan and they are doing very well. I talk about the appliances companies, the tire manufacturing, the mobile phones because the market is very big. So I see uh, there is a great potential for further cooperation between the two countries in this area. Let me follow up a little bit on that because last year I also uh, emceed a session on the IFF International Financial Forum and a lot of um, developing countries made proposals um, for Chinese investment to go to their country for some big infrastructure projects. I bet, uh, I guess uh, Pakistan would have needs in many different sectors. You mentioned power, you mentioned ports, you mentioned roads and railway. What are your priorities in attracting such investment? What would put on the top of the list before other projects? We had a serious energy crisis, obviously that was our top priority. And uh, that uh, energy was not only required for the, for the domestic consumption, but you know it is also required for the industrial consumption. If you do not have electricity, you cannot develop the industry in your country. If you do not have the industry, you cannot produce to export and all that. So these are all correlated. So is infrastructure, the road network is also needed to transport goods from one place to the other place. How do you think developing countries such as Pakistan and China concentrate on developing its economy and uh, uh, social progress, making social progress and make tangible benefits to its own people in such complicated and volatile uh, global environment. The important thing is that there are so many poor people around the world, we could see that they need our attention to remain peaceful, to resolve the issue through dialogue and negotiations and work for the development and prosperity of the people. I think this is the only way forward, that the world should learn to resolve disputes and issues through in a civilized manner. That is what, then the Global Security Initiative is again very important, that we should address the security issue with common consensus rather than friction and conflicts. I was impressed with the uh, with the gathering, uh, they came from all over the world, from Africa, from Asia, from Middle East, from Latin America, from Central Asia, and they were all talking about progress, development, peace and prosperity. So I think this is the biggest achievement of this 10 years of BRI, that more and more people are talking about peace and development. Last question is about finance. I mean, finance is commonly used by the rich people to even create more wealth True. Um, based on their current wealth, True. wealth management. Finance can also be used as a tool to finance uh, technology, to finance innovation, to, fi to eliminate uh, poverty, True. to uh, have less impact mm -hmm. on environment, uh, doing these good strategic mm -hmm. things. How do you think, sh uh, there, how do you think uh, measures should be done to reconcile efforts to maybe secure some levels of return but also at the same time let finance do good things? Well, um, uh, this financing is a very complex issue but as um, we were talking earlier, uh, the financing and um, uh, monetary policies has also become a monopoly of certain countries and times have changed now and I was watching on, uh, a program which was saying that the RMB is 
increasing its presence in the global trade and finance sectors. More and more countries are now using RMB as an alternate currency to trade with each other. So I think we have to work for a more balanced financial system. One, where the equitable availability of financing is available to each and everybody on equal terms and it is not controlled by certain countries. Uh, China's um, BRI initiative and financing for these projects is one of the examples that Chinese government is providing these finances without any conditions and strings attached to the financing, which is contrary to what is happening in the world system, world financial system. So I think uh, the requirement now is that the financial resources should have an equitable distribution for all the countries so that the whole uh, uh, world can enjoy development. Once upon a time, in a land not so very far away, stories were told of the brave and the bold. The whole court fell silent to hear what the great warrior Mulan might ask for. Of mighty deities and powerful immortals. Immediately, the shimmering skin started to grow before his eyes. Of fated love and love sanctified. In dawn's golden light, Mulan said, Marry me. Of great journeys across fantastical landscapes. So the cat and the mouse climbed on the dog's back, and the dog swam across the broad river. In the company of friends and enemies and unimagined beasts. Yeah, <laughs> good to see you. Of ordinary folk with tantalizing stories to tell. Heroes and heroines all. It's incredible. How did you do that? Tales of sad sacrifice and victories snatched from the jaws of defeat. Stories of the wise, the accomplished and the quick of mind. 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3 wherever you discover your favorite podcasts. Earlier I talked to the CEO of global electrification and automation giant ABB Bjorn Rosengren, who recently visited Beijing. He shared with me his observation of China's recent 10 years of further opening and reforms. Mr. Rosengren, in light of China's further opening up in the past 10 years, how has ABB observed the business environment changes in China? I think ABB took a decision at an early stage that uh, uh, the Chinese market is an important market. Uh, ABB products in electrification and automation has actually been part of creating the society that we have today, the living standard that we are. And we all knew that China was moving into a more prosperous future where our products and electrification will play a main part of. So that decision was taken early and uh, we have during these years tried to be as local as possible, meaning that we would like, you know, Chinese uh, uh, managers, Chinese people, Chinese factories, making sure that we support the market in, in, in the best way. And we had, have had a tremendous development uh, during the years. We have grown with China and the success 
has also, of course, uh, hit ABB uh, during all these years. Uh, you just mentioned China is a huge market, one of the biggest in the world. What kind of strategies are you adopting in the uh, collective approaches? Uh, I'm talking about maybe mergers and acquisitions to further tap the market, to expand your presence in the country or acquire local know-how or innovation power? Yeah, China is today the second largest uh, marketing group. It's about between 17 and 18 percent of our total uh, sales, so it's a huge. We have uh, uh, more than 15,000 people in, in, in the country today, so it shows that it is, uh, you know, a really, really important part of the ABB group. And as we have seen, you know, today China represents 60 to 70 percent of all products that is enable the green transition are being developed and produced in China. Where we see China is becoming an important hub for these technologies and products coming from here being sold also in other parts of the world. Where ABB feels that we can be part of this development and contribute with, with our technologies. You mean China's own ability in green solutions are not only supporting itself but global markets? Yeah, I mean, we, if we look at certain products, the battery manufacturing is big, hydrogen is, is coming, uh, windmills, uh, electric cars. You know, you, if you go back five to ten years, you didn't see any Chinese brands in Europe when it comes to cars. Today, there are plenty of Chinese electric cars. Uh, uh, running on the streets in, in Europe, which shows that this transformation technology gives new opportunity, which I think China is using today. So you're working, um, partnering with these Chinese Absolutely. innovative companies to work in these uh, green solutions. Yeah, if you look at ABB and the purpose of, of ABB, which we spend quite some time on, it is actually to enable a more sustainable and resource efficient future with the technology uh, leadership in electrification automation, which means we are helping our customers, both innovative new technology companies, but also the old base industry to transform. So we feel that uh, we have an important mission for, for China and to support uh, both the new companies, but also the traditional. Right. Let's go a bit into more detailed business operations. You mentioned you have 20 uh, capacities in China. Um, China is quite diversified in terms of demands because its economy are quite modern, are quite uh, advanced in coastal big cities, uh, the mega cities with over 10 million people. We also have second, third tier or even county level, village level economies that is still quite lagging behind, demanding not as sophisticated or advanced or expensive products. How are you adjusting to these different demands at different various level of the Chinese markets? I think the, the customers are actually controlling what we are doing. So uh, there are, of course, in the Western part, let's say customers that are in a more earlier stage of the development, where I think that ABB will contribute in building up the grid, building up the, uh, the electrification of the world, where we have been doing in the rest of the world during the last hundred years. So we have a lot of technology and knowledge in, in the electrification part there. Then we also have more advanced products like automation, and, but also you know, where we 
actually are uh, helping customers with robotic solutions or uh, uh, PLCs or, uh, or process automation to make these operations uh, more, more efficient. So I think we, if you look at um, the offering from ABB, it's quite broad. So we think that we have uh, both products and services for all different parts of China. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platform and get ready to dive in. Let's face what the world is going on now. A lot of uncertainties, a lot of non-business factors affecting the business world. How is your company, ABB, a truly global company, navigating through on these um, quite unprecedented uh, volatilities that is going on in the world now? I mean, it's been a challenging uh, three to four years, actually, where we had the COVID, of course, uh, uh, hitting the world and uh, a lot of shutdowns in different regions. And uh, you were, we had to, of course, uh, support our customers. We need to produce, but also to supply all the, uh, from all sub-suppliers. So that was a challenging time. But using technology was, was a good, good help there in the communication. But of course, we have had other challenges also, uh, inflation, uh, supply chain issues, especially when it uh, comes to semiconductors, and uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, challenging years. But I, I think uh, companies like ABB, which is a global company, we are uh, more or less in every country of the world. We have a strategy we call uh, local for local, which we've been operating for a long time, meaning that we try to be as self-sufficient as possible in the different um, uh, regions. Today, for instance, in China, uh, we are 95% self-sufficient, which means that our 27 factories uh, here in China, uh, including, of course, all our sales and developing and uh, uh, R&D centers are supporting the local market. So I would say more or less everything that are being sold here is also produced uh, in, uh, in China. All right. So you mentioned your company focuses on two business areas, automation and electrification. I mean, China has been a world major manufacturing hub mm. and also a market for all kinds of products. Mm. And this country is also promoting the upgrade of industrial chains. Mm. How does your company's major business sectors uh, engage with China's industrial upgrade? Yeah, I think we've been part of this from the beginning. And I think, uh, you know, from the beginning, China was, was uh, uh, more uh, for being, uh, let's say, producing for the rest of the world. But as the living standard in China has improved during the years, the real consumption for products and services is actually coming from China. And today, uh, China is absolutely one of the largest markets in the world with a huge population that is, of course, consuming uh, a lot of energy, a lot of products which are produced in factories that are using ABB automation and uh, being uh, electrified through uh, ABB products in electrification. Many uh, foreign companies or more, many foreign people, some of them are viewing China as an advanced economy, but others including Chinese, we, we ourselves would be more moderate because we know that China 
Although after 40-45 years of opening up, its average development level is relatively modest, we still need very long years of development uh, to achieve common prosperity. I mean, during this process, how can electrification and your solutions and automation help in, in doing, achieving these objectives? Yeah, of course, the part of China which is the primary target for, uh, for ABP product is, of course, the advanced industries, the latest technology, the most automated factories, uh, renewable energy being set up, all of that. All of these areas, of course, the latest technology for ABB is being used. So, of course, that is the prime target. But we also have the other offering with more basic uh, products like circuit breakers and and other stuff which is important when you are electrifying. Uh, so we can supply that also. Okay, let's look at the broader picture, the global economy, which is undergoing a recovery of the pandemic, but it's rather modest because of disruptions of many other non-business factors. Um, how has your business been feeling the recovery uh, so far this year, globally and also in China? Yeah, I mean, if you look at many of the global markets that after the pandemic actually uh, really grew fast. I think from a China perspective, we have not seen any big growth. It's more continued in the path that it was also during uh, the pandemic. Uh, and uh, we have maybe hoped for uh, more demand that is uh, coming, but we think uh, it's going to take a little bit time. We, but we look at China with a long-term perspective. Uh, we believe that China will play a major role in what is the transformation that is taking place. Uh, the whole decarbonization, driving automation, being a supplier of products to the rest of the world. And that is what we are actually basing our investments, that we want to be part of this exciting future. You're leading a global company, uh, such a big scale everywhere in the world, you said, more or less uh, ABB markets are present yes. in every corner of the country. And you also had experience working several years in China, in Shanghai, you just mentioned. But the whole world uh, understands not as much as I understand it, not as much as probably uh, the world should. You must be aware of this. What do you think, uh, what kind of knowledge do you think you possess that many global business leaders do not have? Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, of course, you, you build up experience during the years. You've seen what has happened during so many years and uh, the amazing development of the country and uh, how it has industrialized and also become one of the leading when it comes to new, to exciting technologies, not least in the, in the green uh, sustainability side. And uh, I think it, it brings to the chart that uh, we need to be part of it. And I think uh, China becomes, a, of course, a natural part of the ABB long-term strategy. Be part of it. Be part of China. Very much. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.